I'm Christina Rea, and welcome to Breaking Out of Breaking In, a practical filmmaking podcast about taking your creative career into your own hands and making great work that gets seen without playing the Hollywood game. Or at least while changing the rules. Hi, I'm Brie Castellini, your other co-host, and today we are breaking down whether we could be persuaded back into the indie production game after so many years away. But before we dive in, remember <laughs> that we release bonus content for each episode over on patreon.com slash breakingoutpod. So if you want to support us and get yourself even more information and resources, definitely check us out over on Patreon. So this is a, an episode that went through a last minute pivot because we realized the idea we had previously was one we'd already talked about we can't remember when but we know it <laughs> happened yeah so welcome to this episode yeah when, welcome when was your last when when were you last on set uh november 2019 i i directed game brunch my short um it was november 9th and 10th i remember and yeah that was it I did obviously didn't know going into 2020 that that would be that for nearly three years. Did you have but, plans for another project that in like in theory? So that was a weird year because I was still working at Students Park full time and wanted out but didn't see a way out. So it seemed like I was there, you know, for a long haul, but cut to a year later and I was completely out of the company. Sure. I feel like for me, I'm always expecting to make at least one short. At least sure. then I was always expecting to make at least one short for the year. And I had been revising my feature previously known as Silent Night. I don't even know if I like can or should say the new title. So I'm just going to call it previously known as Silent Night. I had been revising it lately, but it was still something that was like, I'm never gonna get to make this because I need a lot of money, but it's something I really wanna make one day somehow, so I'm gonna keep working on it. So yeah, it was like, I'm probably gonna make a short next year. We'll see how 22, actually, you know, it was the first year I I remember Congested Cat, we put out like a list of goals at the end of 2019 for the company. And I can remember we, this officially couldn't do any of them once the pandemic hit but one of them was that we were going to uh, for the first time apply for the queen's council of the arts grant for a short film we actually were going to do it both for a short and for indie works to get funding because you could apply as both a business and as an artistic project okay um figuring we would you know hopefully get one of them sure. so yeah in my mind i was going to make a short i just hadn't written it yet or planned it yet Gotcha. Wow. Yeah, as I'm thinking back, the last two sets that I was on were as a director, which is as much as I love directing, not like the thing that I mm -hmm. am, you know, certainly not first and foremost, which is interesting. So like the last real set set that I was on was May 2019, which is when I was on the set for Better Better With You, the web series that I directed in Utah. And that was when I was in between my jobs at Sterable and Seed and Spark. So I didn't even work for Seed and Spark yet. Officially, the last like production that I was a part of was a little web series that a former student of mine made called Rosalie. So like I directed the final episode of that web series February 2021 so we had mm -hmm. like we'd shot something I think in February 2020 we'd shot episode five I believe and then something happened the next month we made episode five and released it and then I was moving obviously away from New York in February 2021 and so because the last episode could be mostly shot outside or with like two people uh we you know followed all the covid restrictions wore, wore masks the whole time social distanced everyone had to test before we got on set and we sh I, sh I directed the final bit of that the day before i left new york for good so mm. i get I, it counts it you know it was a much tinier production there was like two crew members in addition to me kind of a thing you know it was more like sure. a a completionist thing yeah versus a we really want to make the project a thing so mm -hmm. you know that wasn't the plan to be the last thing that i made but right. there it was then i almost produced I... the web series pilot for dead on arrival last year oh yeah 
almost. Mm-hmm. I have a Slack, uh, like an, an entire Slack channel that I had like organized and put a bunch of documents into. I made a breakdown. I made a preliminary budget um, and a preliminary breakdown for special effects because I knew that would be a consideration. I had a preliminary meeting with a DP about it. And then that fell apart <laughs> because the two women who were going to like be my fellow executive producers both ended up backing out for just like timing and you know needing to focus on other things which is totally fair but like without that i you know i'm not gonna solo produce yeah i'm just not gonna do it (laughs) that's that's one of my lines is that like if i am the only producer or the only real producer even if someone else is getting a producing credit i i'm too old for that Same. I feel the same about that. Before we get into that, I should probably also mention that I did technically make seven short films starring my cats in 2020. Feline fables. Yes, feline fables. They were silly shorts about cooped up cats. And it was really just me and my phone and my cats. And occasionally I would rope in other congested cat team members or actor friends to either shoot footage and then like do like a shot reverse shot as if they were in the same room as the cats or do voiceover for them and they were like one two three minutes long at most i actually don't even think any of them were three minutes that was fun but definitely not like a real set it was just a way to get creative and i mean and i guess technically the last thing that i was in like production production for uh midway through 2020 in like august we made a special episode of salmon powder depressed but like Mm, and i was talking about uh this with the director of that episode the other day um and i was like i don't know if i count that as being on set because like for you because we we shot that uh the director and my co-star christine were in los angeles i was still in new york at the time and so like we shot our bits of the episode on separate coasts and we just did it on zoom and like on their side you know the director was in place they had lighting like all that kind of stuff on my side it was me and my husband trapped in an Mm -hmm. apartment and you know just doing our best so like i it's officially a production but like it didn't feel like one because it was just me alone with like my friend on a a phone on zoom off to the side (laughs) like you know that's that's not what I'm thinking about when I'm like I miss being in production because as much as I'm happy we made that project it's one of my favorite scripts that I've ever written and it was a really really fun thing to do like that sucked as a process (laughs) Mm-hmm. Both because I'm like not an actor in a way that, you know, I want to continue to be. And like that's that's I I am not the kind of person certainly anymore to produce at any cost, you know, like whatever mm-hmm. it takes to get it done. Like, yeah, I'll just lock myself in a room like I couldn't do the Bo Burnham inside like that does not yeah, creatively yeah. fulfill me in any way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's probably why I don't think about that when I'm thinking about like the last things I was on set for. Yeah. I mean, like, I miss working with actors, you know, my yeah. my cats, where it was really just, like, setting up a camera and waiting for my cats to look in the direction I want them to look in, you know? Sure. <laughs> so it's, like, for me, November will make – no, it's already – It's I can't even do math anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're already – past the three-year mark so Mm -hmm. I I was hoping I should say I was really hoping to be directing my my feature this fall sure so like I guess I have a lot to say about that I just don't know how to like navigate this conversation Um, like as in like what you're allowed to divulge no I guess just like how to structure the episode the episode that we're structuring on the fly as we just have a yes. conversation. I mean, yeah. let's, let's just go there. Like, yeah, something that was brought up and then cut out of an episode that was released recently was you putting out positivity into the universe mm-hmm. that you weren't going to consider indie production for a little while because you were going to be directing your feature this fall. Unfortunately, right. that is That was a- before this before the SAG strike. Yeah. Once the writer's strike happened, we were not going to struck companies for money, but there was like a window of hope that yeah. money could be found outside of struck companies. Especially if um, you got cast attached. Especially, right. But then once the SAG 
strike started that went completely out the window and of course I support it but that sort of crushes this momentum that I feel going into production like I felt like I was there was a real strong possibility especially at the start of this year when we locked the script and started talking about production that it was going to happen this fall Mm -hmm. and so now all of that is just like cut short sure and so I guess I have like two different feelings because there's a feeling of doing the indie thing and making a kind of no low budget short right now versus ever again and I have two different feelings on the matter I guess okay so what's the first (laughs) feeling okay so I had like I did a lot of I guess introspection over the last couple weeks so a couple weeks ago or a week ago what is time I don't know I did a, a Instagram story to close friends basically being like my feature's not happening this fall like I had hoped and you know I'm really, really hoping that on the other side of the strike, the double strike, we can get the momentum back and get it together, whether it's like spring cheated for fall or all the way next fall. But in the meantime, I'd like to get a short going because I miss directing and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I was like, so if anyone wants to, you know, help with that, whatever. And I got a bunch of friends who were like, you know, that'd be fun. What are you thinking? Actor friends more than anything. And... I think then, like, as everyone kind of got excited about it, like, about me making another film, because I haven't made a film in over three years, as I'm realizing, I was like, okay, like, step back, because it would be so easy for me to be old Christina and go, like, tunnel vision and just, like, go for it. It's like, great, moving forward, start planning, making it happen. And I was like, let me actually think about this. And I started to come to a few conclusions. So like, I do miss directing. Like I do miss being on set. I miss collaborating. And I'm eager to get to that. However, I don't miss wearing all the hats and like the things that burnt me out used to burn me out, whether I was realizing it or not. I don't miss like grinding and hustling and putting all of me into a thing without a real return because I don't have the resources to like really get it out there and none of that has changed just because my film is on hold and I miss directing and I and I think what I was I was having this like internal debate when I realized my film wasn't going to happen now it could nearly be five years if we're talking about next fall you know what I mean like so I'm, I was I was having this internal debate where it's like, okay, will I be rusty? Like my directing mm. skills are rusty because it's going to be so long since I've actually like talked with actors and had to think on the fly and, you know, problem solve so quickly and whatever. But on the other side of that, if I put all of myself into a short right now, I could burn myself out. I could be burnt out going into like the biggest project of my life and career, you know? Right. Uh, and so I was like, w- like, what do I do? I don't want to be either one of those things. And this, the bit real catalyst was my manager. I had a call with my manager when she was basically like, yeah, it's not happening this year unless like some miracle happens. It's just not happening. And she was like, even if like a miracle happened and the strikes ended tomorrow and we got funding and actors attached and everything, like you would be rushing. And do you really wanna be rushing through prep? And especially because like the schedule we're talking about is like a 20 day shoot. There, it's There's a shit ton of action in this script. Like, I don't want to be rushing through that prep. And you'd Absolutely be with a new not. crew pri- primarily. A new, yeah, so like, like learning new everything. I, yeah. I'd be, it would be in Chicago. Like, it would be a whole new world in a variety right. of ways. And I already feel like that rush schedule is a little bit like being set up to fail, though, like, that's not the fault of the people involved it's just like budgets and how things work and whatever but like yeah so prep is everything right so that made me realize like yeah it's not happening this year but she was like I I encourage you if you feel compelled to make a short that you can finish before the year ends like go ahead and do it I encourage you to do it so then I was like oh yeah let me do it so I made that post you know but then but then I was like 
having this internal debate and also thinking about like all the things I just said about how doing it all myself is not something I want to put myself back into. And it was actually a conversation with my mother-in-law over the weekend. She was visiting for, for my husband's, for Justin's birthday. I was kind of like talking her through this debate and she was basically like, you're sort of just like putting yourself between a rock and a hard place. Like you're doing it to yourself because she was like, what does that serve you to worry about these two hypothetical scenarios where you like, you lose and you lose like how is that serving you and also she, I think she didn't say this but like stuff she said got me thinking that like I'm a good director and I've made so many fucking things that I've like problem solved all the problems and it's not a if you don't use it you lose it thing you know right. like I I it's am like ready and Right, like I'm ready and I'm prepared and I've got the experience and the fortitude that I could do it. And so like I shouldn't let imposter syndrome be the thing that pushes me to make a short. Right, the decision Just, shouldn't be fear of being rusty. Right, exactly. And she was like, you're you're thinking, you're operating, trying to think all with your head. It's like all in your head and st strategy and you should be following your gut and your heart and what are you actually driven to do and so then I was kind of like okay yeah and I had the, I, like last night when I couldn't sleep I had this very ridiculous analogy the analogy is I feel like right now with my feature I had all this like momentum and rising energy and it's almost what I feel like right now is almost like an incomplete orgasm <laughs> where <laughs> I was wondering if that's where you were going with it because I <laughs> yeah so I was like almost there right everything you're, like you're being edged creatively yes but then like a rhythm stopped or shifted and just like ended it and it's incredibly frustrating and and I don't and I'm trying to like and this is where the analogy makes no sense because like I don't like you can't like re-get back your orgasm you can only like work your way towards a new one sure. or you know whatever like, of equal it's not a good or lesser value. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so the point though is, or maybe it's like, maybe it's like a sexual situation, right? So I'm trying to make this analogy make sense. <laughs> it's important so it's that the like, analogy makes sense. We should not yes, move forward until instead we instead of instead of just like ending ending the encounter and being like that sucks, and then later on starting a new one and hoping that has completion it's like no recommitting to this encounter and getting right. it back on track and getting it to an, a satisfying conclusion and so I feel like pivoting to a short would me would be me like trying to compensate yeah. for this thing that I really want but I'm going to be doing it sort of half-heartedly because I'm still like really all my momentum and my energy and my excitement and like this desire that I have for production and all that is all about this project that I've been working on for years now. Right. And, and, and it wouldn't be fair, not only would it like very likely burn me out, but it wouldn't be fair to all the collaborators who would sign on for a short if I'm doing it half-heartedly. You know, how much of this do you think is a, a factor of like what happens once the film is done? Because it, from what it sounds like and tell me if I'm wrong about this, but it sounds like the production aspects, you know, if you got the circumstances right, would be fine. But it's the, you know, old Christina Rea, full court press, festival run, like marketing yes. plan premiere. Like yeah. that's the stuff that you're kind well, of worried about. Well, and you don't want to let people down having made a thing and not yeah. do the usual Christina Rea experience is that I think it's a mix of both it's definitely that because like to you, the point that you were making at the beginning it's like to what end what 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 is the end goal of making a short right now and I think for me it would be like I just want to be creative with some cool people again but asking people to work for free or very little and like dealing with COVID you know because that's still a thing and like hazard issues like all of that isn't quite worth it for just like the fun of being creative with I mean, creative worth it cool for people 
for the people involved like I think that's the thing is like people all of my friends all of the people I collaborate with are serious about their careers and are trying to get to a next level and festivals getting it seen maybe winning some awards like all of that makes it worthwhile for them because because they are trying to push forward and all of those things like are a domino in that effort right and there's a there's like a line like asking my friends to do some voiceover for some cat videos like that's like a fun favor that's a low low ask a low yeah it's a low ask but you know come to like upstate or whatever and be around all these people for x amount of sleep in a cabin or whatever you know like that kind of stuff is a bigger ask and so there should be some ambition to the end result there should be some commitment to it going somewhere which I could promise in the past because like I had it in me and it was the thing I felt driven to make in that moment you know short feature whatever but that wouldn't be the case with this it would be like a consolation prize for me, which is not. I also think you should let people tell you no before you just say, I I don't think that this is serious enough for them. Sure, sure. Especially since the pandemic, I'm sure that a lot of the people that you used to collaborate with are missing the camaraderie of being on set with you and might be happy to just have something new to do. Might take it as like, yeah, I'll take a vacation upstate. That's absolutely true. It's just like also for me financially. So that's the other piece of it. And I'm still talking about all right now because I will say that everything you're saying appeals to me for the future after I've made my feature and I've done the thing I've been like geared up to do Mm -hmm. for years. Once you you had the orgasm you were anticipating, not the consolation orgasm. That's right. (laughs) It'll be like multiple orgasms all over the place, shorts here, shorts there. But <laughs> be an orgy of orgasms. Yes. But in this particular moment, right. I need to see this sexual encounter through. <laughs> but so yeah, like all of everything you're saying, it does appeal to me because I do miss that, especially going through like now over a year of notes with executives and thinking about like what name we can get for this role that's going to make all these like white dudes give us money, you know, like all of that stuff to go back to like the roots and the core of just like making things for fun with fun people. Like, yeah, I will miss that. I do miss that, but I just don't have it in me to, to like go through it right now until I finish this thing. Even if it, you know, and like, I'm really, really hoping it does happen, but I feel like finishing it would also be getting every no, asking, like knocking on every fucking door that I could possibly knock on and getting every single no, and then having to put it to bed would be devastating, but it would le- at least like close the chapter. Yeah, at least be closure. Yeah, There's and not so- this lingering what if. Yeah, and so until that point, this is like, I've just got to ride this out. And you know, and like things might change where I'm just like, oh, I see a really small something I could make that just comes together with whoever, you know, that might change. But right now, like me spearheading it fully, I just don't, it just doesn't feel like the right thing. And I was kind of like, what am I being driven to do right now? Oh, and that was the other point I was going to make. When I made Game Brunch and we made a bunch of other shorts before that, I self-funded them. You know, yeah, they were like, $2,000 $2,000 to five to not even, I don't think I've ever spent $5,000 on a short. Maybe outside of a crowdfunding. I did crowdfund, you know, one once, but like Game Bunch co- cost $3,000. I was working a full-time job and so I could just fund that and now I'm not. So then that would also be the thing to tackle too is like finding money to make the thing because I, because I do have a standard now where it's like it needs to be of a certain production value or it's not worth it. Yeah, 100%. You know? And those were conversations when we were in theory, when we were in pre-pre-production for the thing that didn't end up happening. Like a a conversation we all had early on was like, if we don't get a certain amount of money, um, and I think for us it was $10,000, it was like, if we don't have $10,000 to make this at minimum, we just walk away. Because all like we have all done the no budget we've done the tiny bit of budget it's like we 
If we don't have at least this and we aren't getting paid at the very least a day rate for being on set, then it's not worth it. And so mm-hmm. like we all collectively agree on this number. If we can't hit it, you know, we're we're done. We're out. Mm-hmm. And that is a consideration you have to make. Cause, yeah, you don't want to go backwards. Like, yeah, it's right. It's not film school anymore. We're not Even experimenting if- for the sake of it. Like we're professional people. Right. Even if it's for fun, there should still be a level of quality. Right. Out of respect for all the people involved who mm-hmm. are out of respect who for are yourself. pursuing. Yeah. And who like because, yeah, you're, we're professionals and they're pursuing a career and they want quality material to show as their latest work. Right. And so that like that's a huge that's a big factor, too. If I had just like money to just if someone was like, here's, you know, five, ten thousand dollars, like make a thing that would be maybe a lot easier <laughs> um, sure. yeah. to just like run out and do it. So then I was kind of like talking to my mother-in-law where she was like, you should be following your gut and and follow what you feel driven to do. And, and it was like, what are you driven to do? And so I really started to kind of like search within myself for that. And other than making my feature, because that it, I'm very driven, I'm very geared up and ready to go and like have this stifled feeling, you know, right. um, an incomplete orgasm <laughs> and trying to just like accept that and again, hope that on the other side, there will be closure. But the other thing is like, I've been doing a lot of DIY projects around my house. And I think that's been like driven by three things. One is it's been really just like fun to put creativity into something I can do on my own and like tap into a part of myself I haven't really used in the past. And I also think the other thing is that I'm a little bit like chasing the dopamine hits of feeling accomplished, (laughs) you know, every time I finish a thing, like, oh, I'm feeling productive. I, I did this. And then the other piece is a little bit like, is is a kind of a sadness. It's a bittersweetness, but I, I feel like I've been trying to, I've been driven to fulfill this feeling of making our home feel like our home. And I'm, it's a thing I'm chasing that I don't think I'll ever quite accomplish because a fundamental piece of our family is gone and that's our cat Addie. And so like our home doesn't feel fully complete because she's not here. And so, you know, but for better or worse, I just like have to keep, I have to, again, complete that cycle Mm -hmm. and fulfill all the, the drive in me to work on my home. And then, and, and like the last piece of this, I guess, is I realized that maybe getting the fall back instead of having to go into production on my feature and go like tunnel vision on that, maybe it's a gift because last fall, Addie died on September 6th and I just sort of like sunk into the couch and was a non- existent lump for all of the fall and just like felt awful and I love the fall and this was our that was our first fall living up here and and so maybe this year I'll actually get to experience it instead of being in production and you know being devastated and also I imagine around the anniversary of her death as I've been feeling lately um because Addie and Vic's birthday is coming up I've been feeling her absence more and I imagine around the anniversary of her death, I'll probably have a lot of feelings that I should give myself the space to fully experience. Um, and cause like, I, you know, that's real and that's probably gonna happen. And, and I have a tendency to sort of like distract myself with productivity and that's like the kind of thing that does burn you out and so I I should anticipate that and make sure that I feel my feelings and and lastly we are we're building we're we're building an office for me our house is technically a two-bedroom it has a basement den but it's not that's where I'm recording right now but it's not like for a variety of reasons it's not really ideal for an everyday office and so it's been in the making since last summer and it's finally coming true hopefully like we're in the works with a contractor to close in part of our deck to turn it into my office um, and it will be finished in the fall and if I were going into production I would be like flying away from it and going tunnel vision on my film and not really getting to enjoy or appreciate the thing that cost a lot of money and uh and time and like you know effort to make um and instead, I'll get to actually enjoy it and decorate it and, like, complete this cycle that I've been going through of 
DIY homemaking. Um, and so I'm, that's like the silver lining, I guess, in all of it. And and I'm and I feel like instead of trying to prove that I can still direct, because mm-hmm. <laughs> ultimately that's I think what's driving that. Even though of course there is like I miss just collaborating. It's really what I really should do is just like follow my gut and give myself space to just experience the fall, and and also our script like. That's the other thing that I'm I'm uh, feeling driven to do too because it doesn't require all of me in the way that a production would, mm-hmm. and I'm really loving it. I'm loving the progress on it, and so I think the more we can make it better throughout this year, the more opportunity we'll have on the other side of whatever comes next with it. Totally. Um, We've also had so like yeah. three new ideas for like what would be the follow up if we were right, to make exactly. our brand just like being mad about our industry. Yes. But I'm not saying like never again, no budget filmmaking or like do wearing all the hats, self-producing, mm-hmm. making a short. Like I love storytelling. And if I have a story that feels, if I feel compelled to tell it, and it is smaller and shorter and whatever, I and I see myself in the future very much doing that and going back to that. I don't believe in this, like, the way the industry is like, oh, you have to go bigger each time. You can't yeah. go small again. I do believe in, like, not going backwards in terms of, like, quality and progress from a craft perspective, mm-hmm. but from, like, a format. Or a format of life for- experience of right, what everyone said. Right, but I don't think that like... No more donuts for Crafty for the morning and that's it. Right, exactly. But I don't think that, you know, once you've made a feature, you can't ever make a short again. Mm -hmm. Or like once you've made a $100,000 feature, you can only now make a million dollar feature. And then once you've done that, you can only make a $5 million. Like, I don't believe in any of that. I think it's just like you follow the story and you follow your heart as an artist because ultimately that's what I am. That's what we are. Um, so, so yeah, like for the future, there are a lot of things that could get me back on set if it feels right in that capacity. Uh, but for right now, it's like my, my feature I've been working on forever or, or bust, like it's nothing, no, no set that, or just continuing to be a country bumpkin doing semi decent DIY projects on my house. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, I mean, I think you you struck on something there that resonated with me, which is the, like, what is, what is the thing? Like, I feel like if I had a script that I was super, super, super excited about, I could, you know, get it off the ground. Money, we can talk about in a little bit, is still a consideration, certainly. But yeah, ultimately, what's been keeping me offset is less circumstance in most cases and more... I don't have the thing that I want to mm-hmm. work on, you know? Yeah. And that's not just because I spent the last two years writing novels for some fucking reason, but it's also <laughs> because, like, I was never a short writer, you know? I was a mm-hmm. web series creator, and web series are a lot fucking harder, especially because I've been writing ones that are a little too big for my britches. Yeah. Dead on Arrival was never feasible on a full season level, which is why we were considering just making the pilot. I rewrote the pilot to make it kind of close-ended but it's a mystery story so there's really no way to tell a mystery story's pilot in a satisfying way that's not just gonna feel like a proof of concept which isn't fair to anyone who isn't me so like Mm -hmm. to your point about like wanting to make it worth people's time and this is a conversation I had with a couple of people where it's like yeah ultimately the web series version of Dead on Arrival is the proof of concept for the full-length tv show that I want to write called Dead on Arrival and with most of the same characteristics. And if I am not paying people, and even if I am, a proof of concept that they have no skin in the game for once the concept is proved is not a great value for them. And Mm -hmm. that's super fair. And even with that, it's like, I didn't want to tell the close-ended pilot. I wanted to tell the pilot and keep making the show. So... You know, outside of Ace and Anxious, I've never really had a short film idea that I really liked. I've had, like, sketch ideas. 
I obviously mm-hmm. co-wrote buy-in, but that was more a function of myself and Colin Hinckley, my co-writer on that project, just wanting to do a thing together. And so like that was more of a creative exercise, I would say. And it was much more like him driven in terms of story. Ace and Anxious remains the only story that I wanted to tell that was exactly the right length to be a short film and never mm-hmm. wanted to be anything more. And since then, since 2016, I have had no good ideas for short films. And so it's hard to think about going back on set because feasibly the only thing that I could make is a short and I don't like writing shorts. And that's always going to be the stopping point. If I had a script that I loved and was obsessed with, like Ace and Anxious, I will move heaven and hell to get it made. You know, I would figure it out. That's how we, like Ace and Anxious came together in less than six months from the idea before I even wrote the script to finishing production. Like it was Mm -hmm. truly so just spark. Like we had a thing, I had an idea, I put it together because there was just no other option. That hasn't happened since then. And I don't really want to waste my time or the time of people around me if I don't have an idea that I'm genuinely passionate about that feels right for that format. But also, if someone gave me $10,000, maybe I'd have a different thing to say, mm-hmm. you know, and that's always going to be the case. Now, I don't have a job either. And I have savings. And in theory, I could use those savings to, like, shorten the amount of time I can be comfortably unemployed uh, before I find the next thing that I'm doing. And, you know, I could self-fund a film right now. Why? To what end? Again, I don't Mm -hmm. have the thing. If I had the thing, maybe we'd be having a different conversation, but I just don't. So unless I have like no strings attached money or the thing, there doesn't really seem to be a point of making it. And before anyone asks, I don't want to crowdfund. (laughs) Hopefully (laughs) ever. No way. And I feel bad saying that, especially because it seems like a lot of my post Seedens Park freelancing is going to be in crowdfunding consulting. And I'm happy to have those conversations. But like for me... I'm, I maybe have one more in me, Mm -hmm. but similarly to these conversations about production, I would only do it for the thing. Right. And I don't have it. That's how I feel about just like fundraising in general. Like even if I were to try not just crowdfunding, but other avenues, it's like, it's gotta be the thing now that I'm so in love with and just feel so compelled to make Mm -hmm. because I don't feel like I have another ask at this point and it's like well that I already have that project that I'm so in love with and feel so compelled to make you Mm -hmm. know and so if it's not if the thing that I'm going into is not that then that's a sign I shouldn't be making at least not right now yeah you know and I do have a like I have a short that I really love that that or you know that I wrote last year that I sent to and a couple actors and like they were into it and I could go make it but again it's just like it's not fair if it's not the thing that I feel so compelled and driven to do and and bring to life right now yeah Yeah. I mean the thing that I was saying last year when I was writing I started writing novels and like the whole time I was like very bemused by the whole process like why am I doing this and a phrase that I kept coming back to was like I'm trying not to police the muse anymore and I feel like that's true here too where it's like if I am compelled to make something, I will. I don't want to judge myself. I don't want to force myself because I want to be back in production to just like, you know, do a short film sweatshop, right? Like I don't want to just like force myself to come up with a bunch of ideas so that eventually something comes out of that. Like I'm Mm -hmm. not in that zone of my career, my creative pursuits anymore. And also like, to what end? If I'm excited Mm -hmm. about the things that I'm currently working on, even if they don't lead me to set, and I am, then, you know, who am I to judge? If I get back on set, amazing. But for right now, I do not feel particularly compelled to because I'm feeling compelled elsewhere. And I'm perfectly happy with that. Yeah, yeah. And also I think, you know, age, like getting older (laughs) makes you think about money differently. And like Justin and I are not planning to have kids. We have our cats. We'll always have cats. And that like, they are they are an expense, but they're not a child who has sure. to go to college one yeah, day. Expense. You're not sending Vic to college. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, and so it's like we can spend money a little bit differently. Like I still have a whole family of working class people that I that are not, like not financially stable, so that's a piece for me that will always be a thing. But like otherwise, we can be a little bit looser with our savings, and like for instance, spend some of it on you know, building a, an office off of our house. But of course, like, 
maybe one day we'll sell our house and that's that's how we'll like pay for I guess the nurse who's going to take care of us when we're old because we're not having kids because like Vic I mean obviously he's gonna outlive us because he has to Mm -hmm. but could he really take care of us I don't know you know (laughs) I don't think so I don't see Vic helping you in the bathroom I I agree yeah we're just a little too heavy for Mm -hmm. him to yeah not by much so just a little just a little yeah so you know we have to like think about how we'll pay for that and our house is how we'll do that one day point i was making is that we can be a little bit looser however you buy a house and it becomes everything becomes scary because it's like you have a mortgage our first year here a pipe burst and we had to replace a wall and then we found out that uh like another wall wasn't an insulated at all and the pipes were freezing and like it's been a bunch of projects that just pop up out of nowhere mm-hmm. um and so that you're solely responsible for you can't right call that we're solely responsible like hey you deal with this yeah exactly so it becomes a different world you know when you suddenly are have to really think about like savings in a different way mm-hmm. I-, I know for my usual collaborators they're very much there too, particularly Kelsey and Danny, because they had a baby. And so like, they're on a whole other level of like, can I just throw, you know, even 500 bucks towards a short the way that I maybe would have? Like the answer is no, because mm-hmm. now there's a whole other being that they that they have to pay a lot of money for, for at least the next 18 years. Um and I know for you, like, you do want a family one yep, day. So that, like, and your savings. to have yeah, pipes right. burst in and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I've been yeah. talking about, like, the nest egg that I've been saving up the past couple of years since the pandemic, really. Because, like, you know, the silver lining of the pandemic for us is that we lived with my mom for several months once we stopped living in New York. And we basically had no expenses. Like, we paid for food while we were there, um, like, for the whole house. But, like, she, my mom wasn't having us pay rent. We weren't paying utilities, nothing like that. But we were both still working full time. And so we were able to put a lot more into savings than we otherwise might have. And I'm also just, like, I don't like spending money anyways. Uh, I think we mm-hmm. talked about this in the freelancing episode that is not out yet. That's the next episode. So you'll hear me talk about how I never feel stable. But like, I've been talking to people about it, you know, when they're like, Oh, my gosh, are you like worried about being unemployed? And it's like, intellectually, yes, but I do have a savings account for this very purpose. However, I was hoping that the purpose of the savings account could be a down payment on a house, you know, Mm -hmm. to start that next phase of things. And so to your point, like, yeah, you think differently about money. And also, for me, I think it's a lot more of like a quality of life thing. Because, like, I'm no longer content to be miserable, and I haven't been for a long time. And as much as I love being on set, there are certain, like, elements of misery that you kind of accept in the way that I used to do things that I don't think I would be content to accept anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of that is the, like, taking it all on myself. And it's not that, like, other people weren't working. That's not what I mean to say at all. But, like, I was always the instigator. It was always on me to like say this is the thing we're doing usually that meant I have written a script we are doing this I was the one that was calling for all the meetings I was the one that was organizing everything and like I was happy to do that for a while but like I want to have a life I want to hang out with my husband and go to movies and you know see my friends non-professionally and have time to read 400 books a year and like work on other creative projects that are fulfilling and don't make me miserable (laughs) and I just I cannot be the only person instigating things it's like people will pitch me stuff all the time like oh what what if we did this thing I'm like cool yeah let me know and then they never follow up and it's like in my past life I would have followed up I would have been dogged about it I would have been like yeah let's do this and like put as much of it together as I could I can't do that anymore once I have a thing again I probably will but in the meantime I yeah that does not sound appealing to me at all and I don't have to take it anymore I don't have to do that so why would I yeah I mean I very much the same for me since moving and like really working on slowing down my life and Mm -hmm. enjoying the quiet and enjoying the slower pace 
which has been so hard for me because I'm such a like, always have to be doing, acting, making things happen. Otherwise, like, I have no value. I'm not, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not worthy. (laughs) And having to really One of our initial ways of bonding was both of us being like, oh, your identity is also work and being the girl that does everything? Cool. Let's be friends. (laughs) Right. So really, I'm proud of the work I've done on myself to take that away and still find identity and find self-esteem value yeah self-esteem and and actually like really enjoying just being you know Mm -hmm. and like being like i'm just gonna sit in this chair and read for a couple hours and that's fine you know Mm -hmm. like that i think that was a big part of it too was like feeling i started listing all the things i'd have to do in my head and i was like why like why go back to that for for what purpose Mm -hmm. who is it serving and if i'm not in love with all of that if that that is actually stressing me out just to like think about those things then that I should not be doing it there's no reason you know I need to be excited about it and of course like production always comes with stress and my feature will absolutely be stressful but it's like exciting to me it feels like a challenge Mm -hmm. it feels it feels like like a new adventure as opposed to a I'm like we said, going backwards, like I'll be going backwards right. to this thing that wasn't sustainable. And the things about myself that I've really unpacked over the last three years that I've a lot of things I've started to realize are really just like trauma responses. <laughs> like so much of my personality is from growing up the way I grew up, you know, where I had to be an adult as a kid and I and I felt like I had to always be on top of things and perfect because things around me were chaotic and there were abusive figures and whatnot and so like all of these things that yes are were things I was proud of and are not bad things and I don't want to like disparage things that were you know made me me they were ultimately trauma responses so the point is I don't need to be going backwards well and I think something that's come out of both of our our speaking on this topic today is that like it's not the and I, I hope that this is not what people are taking away, but like, I, it's not that we don't want to work hard. It's not that yeah. we are imagining this like bizarro utopia world where filmmaking is cool beans the whole way through. Everyone's chill yeah. and working hard and it's just beautiful. It's like, <laughs> yeah. that's obviously never a thing, no matter how much you love the project. Like Ace and Anxious was a dream in many ways. And it was also one of the most stressful three weeks of my life. Someone broke their foot on the first day of set. Uh, you know, one of our actors could only be there for half day. Our main actress could only be there for half days. Like, you know, even one of the best creative and professional experiences of my life, deeply stressful. But I think what it sounds like for both of us, the the difference is we are excited about the stress, you know, asterisks, mm-hmm. if it's the right project. And it's just about putting our energy yeah. behind things that really matter. I think in both of our cases, if tomorrow one of us or both of us had an idea for a short that we were genuinely excited about, you know, we would just do it and we would figure it out and there would be yeah. additional things to consider there. But since we don't have that, we are no longer in a place in our creative careers where the grind is worth it for the sake of having something new to talk about. Right. I absolutely. I think like this episode only makes sense in context of especially our first season mm-hmm. <laughs> where you like hear all we've done and all the hats we wore and how like how much we were grinders, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it only really makes sense if you're listening to this as like a first-time listener probably just sounds like two entitled people right talking shit about indie film or something you know but that's mm-hmm. so not it it's just which is a thing that's come I, I up in our script where people right. are like why are they so down on this and it's like because they're tired because they've done right, this for right. so long and they just want to move forward or at the very and- least not be miserable anymore yeah, and I also think it's just like the industry at large, like we're in the middle of a strike. We're in the middle of a double strike, a historic a double, double strike. strike. Yeah, and so, yeah, I think we've all reevaluated our relationship with hustle culture and like whatever it takes-ness mm-hmm. of the industry in particular and like get the shot at all costs yeah. you know even if it means someone dies on train tracks you know like we've we've done so much reevaluating that it it would be impossible to be to do it the same way we did it before mm-hmm. 
it would just it just doesn't exist anymore like that reality in that world doesn't exist anymore and that person that i was has evolved you know speaking to like grind culture and stuff it's like previous brie was just grateful to have a job adjacent to the community it was uh, just appreciative of having the the opportunity all that kind of stuff the brie of now is not afraid of being a barista again it's rare that those kind of jobs can like with a straight face say like we're a family because like we're all here clocking in and out but when you work mm-hmm. for like a startup uh, especially one in like the arts industry you know there's a lot more sort of like toxic stuff that mm-hmm. like you're expected to just take especially when your identity as an artist is part of the reason that you were hired and you have to kind yeah. of like subsume the company branding in your even in your off time and that's yep. something I don't think I'm willing to go back to. Same, same. And and that speaks to kind of the short film conversation that we're having, which is right. like, what are we willing to put up with now? Like, to what end? Yeah. I also just like, last point I want to make is that I got a taste of not having to wear all the hats through the development process of my feature, even though, yes, the trade-off was less creative control mm-hmm. and having to... Make concessions. Not Yeah, make concessions creatively like still making sure I'm sticking to my vision but yeah it did require allowing other people to sort of be a chef in the kitchen you know it also allowed me to take stuff off of my plate and like not have to think about things that I didn't ever want to think about and it was really hard at first for me to turn that part of my brain off and to like embrace not having to be the primary producer of the thing but but now I've like kind of gotten used to it a little bit especially as we started talking about production and it was like they're working on the budget and they're the ones finding the locations and they're just going to present them to me that now I'm kind of like I only want to do that (laughs) I don't want to bring those hats back on my head and weigh myself down now that I've gotten a taste of what it could be like without it and so that like that's the other thing too is just having seeing seeing the other side like having sort of the glass like the dirty glass is cleaned and now I can see clearly and I'm like I can't go back to to making them all dirty again and I don't know you know what's funny is I had the same experience and I think it's because the last two major things I worked on I was just the director on like I guess for for Rosalie I was also the editor and like you know, I did a handful of producing duties, but like it was not my project. I was very much there as like a contract worker in very specific roles. And on Better With You, it was even more like, Brie, you are the director and that is it. Like I had to sign a contract that was like, these are things that are not my fucking problem. And mm-hmm. I really appreciated that as much as like it was uncomfortable at first because I'm used to having a lot of control and a lot of say in things. It was also wonderful. I just got to show up and do one thing. I got to focus. I got to just like be exact like I even on set like the DP who was one of the producers had to be like Brie stop worrying about this that's a concern (laughs) for someone who is not you she's like just let it happen I promise you it will you do not have to have this on your plate just focus on directing and like what a gift why would I ever go back to something else I would go back to slightly more control because I am who I am. But yeah, right, God, <laughs> having someone else to be able to, I mean, even co-writing our feature has like spoiled me. I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. I never want to write alone again. <laughs> Same. But that's like, I think like us having worn all the hats previously makes us so kind of prepared for anything, totally. you know, because we understand all of the sides of things. And so... That makes that would make us great directors for producers to work with because we're not going to be unreasonable and we understand right. how things work. And so my feeling is just like we shouldn't we shouldn't have to. This is where the a little bit of the entitlement comes right. in. Like we shouldn't have to wear all the hats to to direct something again or to bring a story to life again because we've we've done the work and now we we want to be at this at least this next level where someone else is sharing some of that weight. Yeah. It's too bad that we don't live near each other and we have the same roles. <laughs> because like, <laughs> we are such ideal collaborators in so many ways, except for the fact that we are in pretty much direct competition for the kinds <laughs> of work that we want to do. Other than this shared script, we do pretty different work. Mm-hmm. Like Our approach to 
tone and story, the kinds of stories we want to tell outside of maybe like thematic or subtextual similarities, they're very different on their base like plot and genre. But it's like, how do I replace someone who is you but doesn't <laughs> want to be a writer director and likes the and is more like aligned on the genres? Yeah. Where do we find that person? I mean, that's been forward? forever the struggle. That's been forever the struggle. And I've always wondered that at festivals when I would meet directors and they're like, this is my producer. And and I'm just like, how did you get that person? Especially when it's like those producers weren't being paid, you know, because it was like a short film. Most of the time it was like they met in film school and they're just sort of unicorns, these producers that just want to produce. I know. I, every, I've met like two or three of those people recently actually just like at events and they're like yeah i just wish i met someone i was like literally if you just say i'm a producer who just wants to produce you will never stop getting emails like what are you Mm -hmm. talking about you can't find people like you are a unicorn no one no one has you and right because they're also like you know they don't get a lot of the credit but often in more traditional sets are doing a lot of the work Mm -hmm. you know uh, with like without thank yous and without recognition but yeah I don't know even even my producers that I'm working with on on my feature technically are are not people who only produce and only want to produce my film is like a way to prove a model can work that will hopefully benefit their own films as well or in the case of like Lily Wachowski, who who has been a mentor through this whole process, she obviously is a director right. <laughs> more than anything, a writer director. She's really but there in like a mentorship perspective. Is a, yeah, and like comes with production company contacts and such. So yeah, her producing is more of like a creator, creative guidance producer. But even yeah, but like the ones who were boots on the ground producing, even they're they're a little bit kind of like doing this as a way to pivot into getting their own thing off the ground eventually. So yeah, it's really hard to come by, I find, people who who just have a passion for producing. Or being able to afford those people. That's also the other thing. Right, totally. I I in theory have people that I can think of who would produce, but they would Mm -hmm. need to get paid. And then that brings us back to, boy, howdy, do I not want to crowdfund? Yeah, like paying or, you know, even profit sharing but it's like films don't make money so yeah and i don't don't want to go into that and and set that expectation right so it's yeah it's it's really hard but i but i love i love uh, those people that exist love you that you see someone else's story and fall in love with it enough to want to devote so much to it Uh, i just wish there were more of you (laughs) or that i had met you (laughs) (laughs) earlier when we were at equal points in our careers so we could grow together the way I've grown with all these other collaborators who also don't want to produce yeah is that like all of the people that like we we are now at a point in our careers that like we can't grow with people anymore we have to meet people on a very different level which is a harder starting point for a relationship when you don't already have money right yeah yeah and like and I think also as someone, people love to call me prolific, like you're such prolific, prolific, prolific. And so it's like when you have such a body of work, even if it's no budget work, even if it's like things you've made, self-funding and favors and paying, you know, at this point I pay, always pay people, but it's never going to be competitive rates at all. It's still always very much going to be a favor, you know, in terms of my more recent shorts. And But even so, just having like enough, volume you've made enough things at a certain point it's just like a bad look like you can't be Mm -hmm. you can't be asking people to to be working for nothing and so i would be embarrassed (laughs) to to ask a producer at this point so it's like yeah either i can afford you or or that's it i'm doing it all myself Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i guess my conclusion to this is that like i want to be on set but until I have a thing that I care about enough to sacrifice what I know needs to be sacrificed to be on set, I am not beating myself up about being here. Because I think it would be a different story if I wasn't working on anything. 
but we have our script. I have three books that I wrote last year that I'm in editing for, and I'm writing a fourth. I have a newsletter that I'm really enjoying writing, and a handful of people have started to pay me for, which is bizarre, but amazing. Like, I have this podcast that we're working on. I have um, a handful of other, like, smaller projects that I'm given a little bit of time to. I have a writer's group that's right now one person, uh, and another friend who I regularly have, like, writing accountability sessions with, and And like, I just, I feel very creatively fulfilled right now. And it sucks that that does not also mean that I am on set because I do love and miss being on set. But I, I'm in a really good place. Like I'm happier than I have been in a really long time. Like I posted on Twitter the other day because I have this mood tracker app that I update and I have been updating for like 800 days in a row. It's just like a accountability thing and just kind of keep an eye on like, hey, I've been miserable for a while. Maybe some things should change. The last month or so, all good days. Like even Mm -hmm. days that are a little bit frustrating or that like I have to work for a while on. It's like, no, I feel really good about how I am spending my energy. And that's a pretty fucking cool place to be because I have never been in that place. So I'm going to take it one day at a time and I'm not going to make any grand statements about what I should be doing because I feel like I'm already doing it. Yeah. And that's, I feel like, you know, most people in the world as it exists, unfortunately, don't get that. So yeah, I'm not taking it for granted. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what people can take away from this, especially as they may be like out of work because they're on strike or they're, you know, or they're not at this just, place yet. Yeah, they're not at this place yet. Um, and hopefully, you know, they will be at, at some point. But mm-hmm. I hope that this conversation has been something comforting or enlightening or validating just validating yeah or just like uh, a decently enjoyable way to kill an hour and 15 minutes or an hour an hour and a half whatever this ends up editing down to (laughs) thanks so much to kelsey rauber for our theme music kaylee brown for our podcast art and to all of you for listening links to learn more about kelsey and kaylee as always plus our wonderful guests are in our episode description and thank you to our booby vips our ten dollar supporters on patreon brandy nicole and kelsey rauber if you want your name on that list and to have access to our bonus resources related to each and every episode including this one you should subscribe for as little as three dollars to our patreon at patreon.com slash breaking out pod <laughs>